Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege that it is to open your word. Thank you that you have spoken to us. And Lord, I'm admitting my need of you tonight. I cannot do what uh, I need to without you. And I cannot say what I need to if you don't help me. And Lord, I ask that you'd bless. Lord, I ask that you'd help my mind to be clear and that you would bless the folks that have come. Lord, thank you that Thank you for the privilege it is to be with believers that love you and that are uh, ones that encourage me to serve you, to do what's right. We ask now for your hand on this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 103, beginning at verse 1. The title of the psalm says it's a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and he is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. To such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. God is in control. Bless the Lord ye his angels that excel in strength. That do his commandments hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I'd like us to focus really on verses 1 through the first part of verse 3 tonight. I'll read those again real quickly. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. I was trying to figure out how to how to introduce this tonight, and I'm, I'm probably going to show, show my age a little bit here. Uh, this is going to separate the, the men from the boys, but uh, how many of you all remember, maybe you have some, those old photo albums? You know, it's like a three-ring, wow, they still have them, they still sell those. Uh, the three-ring binder, you know, it's got all the photos. I, it just, and I know we've got, our phones have pictures on them, you can have have those in albums, but I got to thinking uh, this week about those photo, photo albums. You know, you, you look, you open it up, 
You know, they were made in like the 1990s, <laughs> way back. Uh, and some of them the 1970s. <laughs> and some even the 50s, but I don't know. <laughs> some of them are black and white, some of those photos in there. So, But I was thinking about how as a kid, I wouldn't do this all the time, but every now and then I like to, to go. And uh, we had like, uh, we had some photo albums on the shelf. And then we had a box with just photos that had never been put in an album. And I used to like to go go through those, and I would see pictures of my, my parents when they were in college, and uh, <laughs> I have pictures like that now, so when I, yeah, anyway, uh, or when they were dating, or pictures of their wedding, I remember looking at pictures of my grandfather when he was young, there's some pictures, some black and white pictures of probably the 1930s, there's this one, there's this old uh, I don't know, it might have been a Model, model A, but it's like a long, uh, long car. And there were all these kids lined up, and most of them I didn't know who they were. But I think about, think about the photo album. You know, you, you go through it, you're looking at memories. There's things that you like to look at. And, and if you don't know about it, you can say, hey, Dad, what, what was this? And Mom, what was this? And sometimes you'll hear the, wow, I had forgotten about that. Well, you have a photo album because you want to remember something. I... I was driving the way uh, to church here tonight, and I got to think about the song. I'm sure most of you all have heard it. Uh, we're in a good region to hear it. But uh, precious memories, unseen angels, sent from somewhere to my soul. How they linger ever near me. Precious sacred scenes unfold. And uh, memories. I want us to think about this subject tonight. It's just two words. Never forget. Never forget. I'd like us to think about how I must not forget, we must not forget, you must not forget what God has done for you. And I believe that it, it really is right here in the text tonight when we read, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. As human beings, just in that illustration of a photo album, or you think about you have a planner. I don't have a planner. I have on my phone... Notes that I put in, and my sister's like, you need to do reminders, and my reminders have reminders, and my notes have notes, and I have like 800 notes, and I don't know what they're all for. <laughs> so much for that, and I have an outline, and we're going to see if, how strictly I follow that too, so. but that's to help me remember, but we don't want to forget, and as human beings, we find that it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget good things. It's easy... It's actually harder to forget bad things that take place in our life. I was with a friend recently, and he was talking about how as a, as a child he had had to have his tonsils removed when he was five. And he said, yeah, he said, my grandma brought chips to me the day he had them removed. And he said, I was looking at them. He said, I remember looking at them still and saying, I can't eat that. And he said, it's kind of strange the things that we remember. Uh, there was one uh, commentator I was reading, he was talking about how... Um, as human beings, we tend to remember the negative uh, aspects of our life yeah. as opposed to the, the, the gracious things that God has done to, for us. But I want us to look at that thought, the never forget. I don't want to forget what God has done for me. Let's, let's look at this text. And I just want to point out here, it's, it's a psalm of David. I find it interesting in verse 5, he says that youth is renewed like the eagles. 
I, I almost think it's possible that he may have been an older man at this time. I, I'm not 100% sure, but I have no doubt he was probably king at least at this time. Maybe he was an older man. And you think of who David was. King, warrior, man after God's own heart, as the Bible says. He's referenced to in the Old and New Testament so many times. Called the sweet singer of Israel. You think of, he wrote, I think, uh, in class, I, I heard them say it was almost half of the Psalms that are attributed to David. A man that praised God, and it, you have no doubt about his life that he was a man that loved God and that praised God. But I find it fascinating here in, in verse 1 and verse 2. First of all, there's a call to praise. And then in, in verse 2, there's a call to remember. But I find it fascinating, actually, that here David, this psalmist, this man of God, this man after God's own heart, would even have to call on himself to praise God. I was, I was trying to think on the drive over, I was like, if there was a Bible character who I would think would have to encourage himself to praise God, who would that be? I'm sure you all could probably think of, of someone you'd think, man, that, that Bible character was a little bit more pessimistic, he was a little bit more mopey. I thought of Thomas. That's, that's the, the one character that came to mind. I think about how the disciples were like, we've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord, and he's like, nope, I don't believe it. Unless I see his, the nail prints in his hands, put my hand on his side, I'm not going to believe. I would think if there's anybody in the Bible that would ever have to say, bless the Lord of my soul, and, and would have to stir himself up to praise God, would have to stir himself up to, to remember what God had done, I would, I would have thought it would have been Thomas, but not, not David. I mean, the man who wrote half of the Psalms, has to stir himself up to praise God. Maybe that's just me, but does anybody else find that a little bit strange? Uh, I also got to think about the fact that I've been blessed and I'm really thankful for the privilege to get to, to lead singing and it's been a stretching experience. But just because I do that, it's not automatic that I'm really up here praising God. It's not. And there's times where it is a challenge here, David, he calls on himself to praise God. I don't want to forget what God has done for me. Let me consider, let us consider, uh, first of all, this point. Don't forget to bless God. Don't forget to bless God. And it comes straight from that first verse. And, and it's repeated a couple times here. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that, was, that, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I've kind of, kind of hinted at it already. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. And then the very end of the, uh, the passage, of course, uh, he's, he's, called upon, uh, he's called upon the heavens to bless the Lord. He's called upon the universe to bless the Lord. And then it comes full circle. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, in, in verse 22. And you think about that. I don't want to forget to bless the Lord. Charles Spurgeon says that we bless God by being thankful and by our love. We're praising God. This is coming from a heart of thankfulness and love. So I think of that word bless. I'm thanking God out of a heart of love and gratitude. I'm praising him. It's an expression of loving gratefulness. Bless the Lord. And, and as I said, it is strange that, that David says to himself, Bless the Lord. Let's consider in this call to praise, 
in this consideration that I don't want to forget what God has done for me and that I want to bless God. I don't want to forget to bless God. Some aspects of David's call. He says, bless the Lord. He says, oh, my soul. I believe that shows an intensity. That word, oh, it's, it's really an, an emotional expression. Um, it can be a good emotion or, or a, a sad emotion, but, but he's, it's showing an emotion there. So his expression is intense, but his expression is also personal. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Spurgeon mentions, he says, that David speaks to himself. He preaches to himself. And he, he talked about how the preacher must first preach to himself. That kind of was convicting today. And there's a lot of days where it's easy to have a right attitude to bless God when everything's all smooth sailing, sun is shining bright, a uh, lot of happy experiences. But when you have a curveball thrown your way and you lose your temper, which I, I'll admit I did, and I had to ask the Lord for forgiveness for that. Uh, and I was reminded, you're preaching tonight on blessing the Lord. So I, I was like, oh my. It's like, Lord, I, okay. <laughs> but it's, it's personal. And I find it fascinating. There's two ways I, I would think to, to look about this when he says, oh my soul. I, th- I think of the, the lake. You know, you take the rock and you throw it out on the lake and it hits and it has that ripple effect. And I think as we look at this psalm, we almost see that. Because if we were to look down through all these verses, you have, first of all, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. So he, he talks to himself first. It's almost like that rock that's hit, hit the lake. It makes the impact. And then it spreads out. Because then he, in the verses 6 and following, he talks about what God had done, not just for him. And, and of course, what, done, what God had done for David, he'll do for every person that will trust in him. Forgive your iniquities and so forth. But it spreads out to Israel. And he talks about he hath made his, known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. And he, he goes on. And it, it spreads that, that effect, not just David and Israel, but then we have the world. He says, the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens. His kingdom ruleth over all. And then to heaven, the heavenly host, bless the Lord, ye his angels. And then finally... The universe, bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. So there's that, if you will, that ripple effect that it starts first with with David. You think of throwing out that rock out and it just spreads. I think also of an echo. You know, you go out and you, you yell in a place where it could echo. And it echoes out and then it echoes back. And it's like the whole thing the whole psalm could start all over again at the end when he says, bless the Lord of my soul. It doesn't stop there. It's supposed to keep on echoing out, rippling out. But it's supposed to keep going back to the individual. So it's intense, it's personal, and it's wholehearted. He says, and all that is within me, all that is within me. I think of this time of year, uh, you might have a fireplace at your place. And you, on that cold morning, you get that fire all going. Or, or you may go out and you have a, a marshmallow roast with friends or something along that line, and you have the fire that's going. Well, that fire doesn't constantly go. 
it dies down. And you have to get, you have to stir it up or you have to put on a log. And our hearts don't have that constant praise of God, that constant heart where it needs to be. We can die down. We lose our intensity. I think of how in Revelation, God says to the one church, he says, you've, you've left your first love. And I think also of how he talks to the church at Laodicea. He says, you're not cold and you're not hot. He says, I'd rather you'd be cold or hot. But because you're lukewarm, he says, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And it is way too easy to have the face on, the church face on, and the heart's not there. It's way too easy. And I know that from growing up in a church, being a pastor's kid, my whole life, even, even in a college when you're, you're striving to serve the Lord, it's too easy to get cold. And I heard a missionary recently talk, and he said, uh, church, uh, he said, uh, college can be a place where your faith goes, well, not your faith, where, where your relationship with God goes to die. And it doesn't have to be that way, but it's way too easy for it to be that way. And it's not just college, it could be church. You know, you're, in, you're plugged in church, but you lose your heart. And that fire of praise for God, that fire, that it dies down. I was reminded of a statement by Jim Elliott. He wrote this in his journal when he was 22, six years before he died at the hand of the, the Alcas. And I find it, it seems to tie in almost with what David says here. He says, Jim Elliott wrote this, he says, How shall I praise God sufficiently for the inexplicable miracle of divine grace in my soul? And how explain it to others? I think that's really the the heart of what David is saying. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. And Jim Elliott is saying, "How, how do I sufficiently say that? I think of that song that we sang tonight, Oh, the wonder of it all, the wonder of it all, just to think that God loves me. The wonder of it all, the wonder of it all, just to think that God loves me. I think of another song that says, I have never lost the wonder of it all. I have never lost the wonder of it all since the day that Jesus saved me and a whole new life he gave me. I have never lost the wonder of it all. I would love to be able to, to say that truthfully, to sing that second one. But I'll admit that it's way too easy to lose the wonder of it all. To lose the wonder of the day that Jesus saved you. So what is a remedy for that? We're going to hopefully segue into that in just a moment. But I believe that one of the remedies for that is just that phrase... In verse 2, forget not all his benefits. It's remembering. It's, if you will, taking out that spiritual, if I may say that, that spiritual photo album and looking about what God's done for you. But it's not just what God has done for you because if you'll notice, if you're looking through this chapter, each of these statements in those first several verses have an ETH ending. Forgiveth, healeth, redeemeth, crowneth, satisfieth. It's God's constantly doing this. So it's not like God did something for me in the past, which he did do. It's, he's, he's doing this. He's continually doing this. But an, a remedy, I believe, for that, that heart that's grown cold is just to remember, to never forget, to remember what God has done for you. So we think of David's call to praise. It's intense. It's personal. It's wholehearted. And I believe it's also reverent. He says in verse 1, bless his holy 
name. There's fervency, and that's good, and that's the way it should be, but there's also reverence. And I think of what goes on, and it could go on in our circles too. It it could masquerade masquerade in in a formal sense. But I think of what goes on so much in today's Christianity. You got a bunch of people up there be bopping around. It's not reverent. But we can also have a high church formalism, and that's not really reverent either. We've got to have the fervency for God in our praise, but we have to have the reverence. And I think of, I think of uh, just a various amount of scriptures that talk about God's holiness. Of course, we, we think about the fact God is holy. It means sacred, set apart, pure. Webster says, uh, applied to God, holy signifies he is perfectly pure. Immaculate, complete, and moral character. Another one wrote, In him there is no spot or flaw without iniquity, just and right is he. And I think of of how uh, Isaiah saw God high and lifted up. And he says, he heard the angels saying, Holy, holy, holy. And he says, Woe is me. There's got to be a reverence in God's presence. I think of how Moses... He hid his face. But yet later on, when he had walked with God, though there was the reverence, that doesn't mean you can't be close to God because he says, show me thy glory. Remember that? And I think of how Elijah, when God appeared to him, he had the the whirlwind and the fire, but then there was the still, small voice. And when Elijah heard the still, small voice, he wrapped his face in a mantle. So, yes, there's the reverence. I think of the song that we sing. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Holy, 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 though the darkness hide thee, though the eye of sinful man thy glory may not see. Only thou art holy, there is none beside thee, perfect in power and love and purity. God the Father is holy, he's called the Holy Father in John 17, 11. God the Son is holy, we see that in thy holy child Jesus in Acts 4, 30. God the Spirit is holy, he is called the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost in Acts 2, 38. David, when he brought the ark of God to Jerusalem, he said to the people, he says about God, he says in 1 Chronicles 16, 10, Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. We read in Psalm 111, verse 9, Holy and reverend is his name. Verse uh, 3 of Psalm 99, Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. And in Isaiah, God has referred many times to the Holy One of Israel. And I think of the song at the Red Sea in Exodus 15, 11, Who is like thee, glorious in holiness. So yes, David's call to praise... It's personal, it's intense, there's that emotion in it, but it's wholehearted as well, and it is reverent. So God is holy, but God is also gracious. We read, forget not all his benefits, and we're hopefully moving to from the, the I don't want to forget to bless God. We've moved from there, and, and really, uh, we're considering not just blessing God, but we're considering the God who blesses. 
because we see that this God who blesses is holy. And this God who blesses is gracious. When we consider that God is holy, it's almost inconceivable that he would even bless us. He would be perfectly right and perfectly holy to not let us live as long as we've lived, to let us die and go to hell, to withhold anything from us. We read in the Bible how the Bible says how God is gracious to the unjust and the unthankful, even in letting his sun shine and his rain fall on them. Well, those, those are what they say common blessings, but even that, God is gracious there. But he's gracious in the benefits that we're going to read of in just a moment. But the, the, the word benefit just has to do with it's an act of kindness. It's a favor conferred. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So God is gracious. Everything we read of that God has done, that God does, is because of God's grace. And God is forgiving. And that's really, we're going we're gonna to jump over to that in just a second. We read in verse 3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. And that ties into the fact that God is gracious. And it really goes with his holiness too. Because God in his holiness and his grace has provided a way where we as sinners can be forgiven. And his holiness is not compromised, but yet he's able to be gracious. So we consider the fact, we, we don't, I don't want to forget to bless God. I don't, want to, I don't want to forget to show my thankfulness and love in praise for him. And I don't want to forget this God who blesses. I don't want to take the blessings and forget the blesser. But I don't want to forget his blessings either. And really that's where I've been trying to, to drive to with that, that expression, never forget. David begins to enumerate the blessings, the benefits God's graciousness, what God has done and what God does do, what God continually does. As he comes here to verse 3 after he said, forget not all his benefits. He says, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. All right. David is king. God has kept him safe throughout his whole life. You think about the fact that when he went up to take on Goliath, he says, you know, God protected me from the bear and the lion. God's going to protect me against Goliath. God protect him there. God delivered Goliath into his hand. Then, then he's brought into Saul's kingdom. He works with Saul, and Saul gets jealous. And Saul tries to kill David. And, and David is on the run year after year after year. So David, but God protects David. And then David is put into the kingdom. And, and after a while, he sins. And because of that, God, God brings the judgment on him, the the, um, the fallout from that. But he's on the run from his own son, Absalom. But yet God preserves his life. We can thank God. We can be thankful to God for the blessing of protection. And I have no doubt that David was thankful for that. Other psalms, he does talk about how God delivered him from his enemies. But in this specific psalm, I find what's interesting is that David doesn't mention God's protection as his first blessing. 
We think of David as king. We think of the power and the prestige that he had. The prominence. All the blessings that would have been a part of being king. And David does, in his life, thank God for that. And he talks about how amazed he is that God would take him from where he was and place him where he was. Those, it's wonderful to thank God for the position that he's put you in. And that's biblical to do. But in this specific psalm, David does not mention that as the first blessing. Health is another blessing. But David doesn't mention that as the first one. You say, David, you want to stir up your heart to praise God? Yeah, I do. And I'm going to remember who he is. He's holy. He's gracious. And I'm also going to remember his blessings. Well, David, what, what is the premier blessing that you would remember as you want to stir up praise in your heart for God? Is it the kingdom? Oh, I'm thankful for that, but no, it's not the kingdom. Is it health? Oh, I'm thankful for health, but it's, it's not health. Is it your wonderful family? No, it's, I'm thankful for them, but it's not that. David, what is the premier benefit of God's grace? What is the premier blessing that you would say heads the list? That you would, if you will, if, if, it was, if you had a fire going, if there's a spiritual fire and there's a log and this log is that blessing... And you're going to throw it on the fire to stir up that fire, to add fuel to that fire. What would you label that? I'm going to get the log that says forgiveness. And I'm going to put that in that fire of praise. What's the premier blessing if not forgiveness? Think of what Jesus said. What does it gain a man? If, what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world but lose his own soul? None of those other blessings that David had were worth anything without forgiveness. There's three aspects of, of just the topic of forgiveness, and I'm just going to rush right through them. Well, not rush, but... Forgiveness, thinking of that topic of forgiveness. If you're to say, I don't want to forget how God forgave me. I don't want to forget God. It says, the Bible says, Lord, thou art good and ready to forgive and, and plenteous in mercy to them that call on thee. Three aspects of God's forgiveness. Don't forget Calvary. Don't forget Calvary. I think of just this table right here, and we, we celebrated communion on uh, Sunday night, this do in remembrance of me. Isn't that interesting that Jesus would have to tell his disciples to do something to remember him and to remember what he had done? And he gave us the Lord's table where the bread is taken and the cup is taken, and it's a, it's a memorial, it's a way to remember that Jesus died on the cross for me. He shed his blood. Don't forget Calvary. You say, wait, 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 wait. This is David. This is Old Testament Israel. You're kind of stretching it, aren't you, to think about David thinking about the cross? <laughs> if I am, I'm just speaking evangelistically. Psalm 22. 
Sometimes I shouldn't do that. So, no, um, I don't think it's stretching it. Why? Psalm 22, to the chief musician upon Ajaleth Shahar, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Wait, 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 who wrote this? David? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Verse 7 of Psalm 22. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, sing, he delighted in him. Verse 12. Many bulls have compassed me, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. 16. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I believe that that was written about a thousand years before Jesus was crucified. Sounds like David might have been... Shown something about the crucifixion? Don't forget Calvary. Scott Pauley, I've heard him say several times that he has a friend that emails him, I think, every day. And he says at the end of every email, there's something, statement along this line, it, it says, don't forget to walk by Calvary every day. And I think of the song, Jesus, keep me near the cross, there a precious fountain, Free to all, a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. But then it also says uh, about near the cross, O Lamb of God, bring its scenes before me. Help me walk from day to day with its shadow o'er me. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. I think of how Paul said, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me and I unto the world. I think, um, I think not only David had a view of the cross and wanted to be reminded of what the Lord would do for him, but I think that Paul also had continually remembered the cross. Remembered Calvary. Christ died for our sins. Don't forget Calvary. But I also think of another aspect of forgiveness. Don't forget conversion. Don't f and I, I use that in the sense of, you think about the day that you were saved. Don't forget, not only don't forget Calvary, but don't forget conversion. Don't forget where God brought you from. Even if it was from a, in a Christian home. Because the devil is more unhappy for you to go to hell from the home of a Christian parent as he is from the gutter. Hell's hell. It doesn't matter. I mean, it matters how you get there. But if you don't trust in Jesus Christ, you're going to go there whether you're in church all your life or you're on the streets. It's it's a horrific place, and, and the Lord Jesus has saved me from hell and. And you think about forgiveness. Yes, Jesus died on Calvary. But the conversion was when it actually came and hit home for me. And I don't want to take, take all our night, but um, if, if each one of us here, I, I don't know your hearts. I, would, I hope and trust that on a Wednesday night that every single person here has 
at some point in their life trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and asked them to save them. But I know from growing up in a Christian home that it wasn't until I was 21 that that, that may, not, may not be the case. God knows hearts. But, but the fact of it is, and I, and, and I think about my te- testimony about conversion, um, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, and I had that, that face, but it was, it was when I was 21, it was actually when I was an ambassador, and I've, I've told Brother Comfort this, um, I'd been wrestling with whether or not I was saved, and, and then I, I, was, I knew I wasn't, but I was too embarrassed to say anything to anybody. And Brother Comfort was preaching on uh, the second coming, and I was scared to death. And I went forward after the service. And Dr. David Cummins was, uh, was the one that dealt with me. Dr. David Cummins was professor at the college. He taught a personal evangelism class that I had. He taught an Acts class that I had and some other classes. And he was really like a grandfather. But I went forward, and he said to me, he said, Josh, he says, I don't need to tell you anything that you don't already know. And I thought, wait, 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 no, there's something that you've got to tell me. And, and you see, the thing was, I was looking for some feeling or some extra bit of information that I thought I had. I, there was something I had to experience or, or something like that. But the fact of the matter is, he was right. Because all my life, I've heard that Christ died for our sins. I've heard that it's trusting in Jesus Christ for you. And I had no problem believing that Jesus died for other people, but I wasn't really sure that it was for me. And the Bible talks, one of the verses that, that God used, the Bible says that God cannot lie. And it talks about God has promised salvation to the person that trusts on him. And I'm kind of paraphrasing that. But I had to come to the realization that, okay, the Bible says God cannot lie. And he's promised that the person that trusts in Jesus Christ is saved. And I realized that it comes down to either I believe that or I don't. And I had to believe that. I had to trust in Jesus Christ. So don't, don't forget, don't forget Calvary, where Jesus paid it all. But don't forget conversion the day when that actually took home in your life. When you actually trusted in Jesus Christ. And don't forget cleansing. You say, wait, wait, wait what do you mean? Okay. Verse 3 says, Who forgiveth? All that iniquities. We talk about the fact that that ETH ending has, it's, God constantly does this. You say, wait, if, if you trust in Jesus Christ and if you're saved, then you'll never sin, right? I wish. If you go to Bible college, you'll never sin again, right? I wish. Yeah. I'm still a Christian. But I think of that family illustration. I don't have a family yet, but I've, I'm a part of one. I know what it's like growing up. It's to hear the words, wait till dad gets home. And he wasn't going to kick me out of the house, but things were not going to be pleasant. And I think about how when we've trusted Christ, yes, we're not going to get kicked out of the house. But that sweet fellowship that could be there, there's that wall that's up. And the devil would love us to forget Calvary. And the devil would love us to forget conversion. And the devil sure would love us to forget cleansing. Because if he could cause us to forget that, our life will be in a tailspin as God's children.
And so David calls on himself and he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Yes, there's that call to praise, there's that call to remember. We want to stir up all that is within us to praise God. We want to have that reverence, but we want to have that fervency. We want to have that fire that's, if it's gone out or gone low, we want to stoke that fire and put that fuel on that fire in our hearts. We don't want to forget what God has done for me. There's a song that I, I heard when I was, this summer had the opportunity to preach over a little, little country church in Yadkinville. They don't have a pianist there. And so what they do when they have an offering time, they put a CD in and they play a song. And I, I just love the words of this song. But it goes like this. When I look around and see the good things he does for me, I know I'm unworthy of them all. And his blessings he freely gives, I owe my life to him. I've got so much to thank him for. And here's, here's the part I really like. Well, I've got so much to thank him for, so much to praise him for. You see, he has been so good to me. When I think of what he has done and where he's brought me from, I've got so much to thank him for. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor's kid or you've been saved out of a, just a, a rough life. When you see where God's brought you from and you see how much he's done, we've got so much to thank him for. Oh, Lord, forgive me for so many times in my life how my praise has been superficial and cold. And Lord, thank you so much for dying on the cross for me, for saving me from my sins. Thank you so much for though the many times I've failed and done what I shouldn't, how you've given me chance after chance after chance. And Lord, thank you that your forgiveness keeps on going. That there's never going to be a day where you say, you know what, I'm not going to forgive you anymore. But that it, there will always be the fact that because I've trusted in you, you'll forgive me. We ask that your will would be done in our lives, that you'd bless in this time of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.